This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm grateful that once again, you and I will be able to spend this time together as we continue to reflect on the church's mission of evangelization. To help us with these reflections this week, I invited John and Ashley Narona to share their insights into how we can prayerfully and creatively respond to the challenges and concerns of our time. They co-founded a nonprofit called The Truth and Beauty Project. As their website explains, they work to restore a confused culture by helping men and women from all over the world strive for spiritual excellence and virtuous living. And the way they do this is pretty unique. They facilitate immersion experiences in the city of Rome. They refer to Rome as a living classroom, and indeed it really is. I feel like you can't go anywhere in Rome without coming into contact with important historical, religious, and philosophical figures, not to mention the beauty of the place. That quality alone is a powerful tool of evangelization and ongoing conversion. Now, at the heart of John and Ashley's mission is the work of bringing people back to the fundamentals of their Christian identity, and in this way to develop the kind of confidence that equips them to face any challenges that might come their way. In particular, the Neronas mentioned the importance of instilling this kind of spiritual confidence in the hearts of those who are in leadership positions in the church, perhaps among clergy or religious or those who teach theology and philosophy. Because we know that if we lose sight, even for one moment, of our inherent dignity as beloved sons and daughters of God, baptized into the threefold office of Jesus Christ himself, priest, prophet, and king, if we forget that, or it becomes buried under the never-ending list of tasks that need completing, or that flood of urgent emails and messages that need responding— Well, in those cases, there needs to be special attention to our fundamental Christian identity, a kind of re-evangelization for those who serve the church and need to rediscover their origin stories, so to speak. And to remember, as my guest will mention, that we are each called to make a masterpiece of our lives by the grace of God. As we hear in the letter to the Ephesians, for we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for the good works that God has prepared in advance, that we should live in them. So please enjoy my conversation with John and Ashley as they share how the Lord is calling them at this time to draw people into the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. And as usual, I'll be back with a brief reflection after the interview. 
I'm joined by John and Ashley Narona, who are the co-founders of the Truth and Beauty Project, which seeks to help people fall in love with the roots of their Christian faith and gain a deeper understanding of the dignity of the human person through experiences of art, scripture, liturgy, and beauty in Rome. John and Ashley, it's lovely to have you on the show. How are you today? Well, Miriam, we are very happy to be with you. And I'm happy to say we're doing well. Yeah, we are wonderful and so happy to be on this program with you. Oh, praise God. Well, thank you for taking the time. And uh, John and Ashley, you're you're currently based in Rome. But before I ask you uh, what led you both to the Eternal City, could I ask where you grew up? And was the faith something that was already in your environment or maybe in the air as you were growing up? Mm -hmm. So I am originally from the U.S. Mm -hmm. I was born in South Carolina and we moved around quite a bit, but my parents eventually settled in Springfield, Illinois. And that's where I feel I have my roots because I spent my formative years there. And I went to a Catholic grade school, high school and university for undergrad. And the faith was something that was always a part of our home. And of course, of my schooling, but I will say that by the time I graduated from university, I I left still with a question of what exactly it means to live a Catholic life. Yeah. And I had an experience where uh, the university I went to was run by Marianists and one of the brothers there who incidentally was 105. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. He uh, told me about this essay contest, and it was to write an essay to win a trip to Fatima, to go on pilgrimage in Fatima. Wow. And I thought, okay, why not? And I did, but believe it or not, I won and had the opportunity to take my first pilgrimage. And it was there that I felt I had the very pivotal shift in my faith life where I feel looking back on it it's as though our lady just grabbed me with her rosary lasso and just pulled me in and there was just no going back after that oh that's beautiful praise God what about you John so I grew up in India and even though my family originally comes from the Portuguese colony of Goa Mm -hmm. uh, we are settled in a place called Bangalore And I grew up in this little Catholic bubble, went to Catholic school for so many years and realized that even though I got really good grades in theology, I really didn't know much about my faith when I went to a secular engineering college. And that's when I was challenged with my faith because on engineering campuses, you have a lot of the missionaries come, whether it's the Pentecostals or the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they invited me to a meeting and I thought, well, I've done really well in theology, Catholic school for so many years. I'm going to answer all their questions. They started tossing verses from scripture at me and I was caught like a deer in headlights and I realized I really didn't know my faith. And then I eventually started the process of trying to get to know it better, but my studies and other things got in the way until I went to this week-long retreat. Mm. And it was after this week-long retreat that I felt that I really uh, discovered the the Holy Spirit. And I was actually really sad at the end of the retreat. Others seemed to have got all these gifts of the Spirit, and I didn't have any. And one of the mystics was praying over all of us in this big crowd of people that were packed into a little room pointed to me and said someone here right over there uh, thinks that he hasn't got any gifts but he has received the gift of scripture 
And already I had this addiction to scripture and I just couldn't get enough of it. And so that's what began the process. And then eventually it was uh, my love for technology, which also helped me. So I got to the highest level of technology and then had another crisis of faith because I couldn't explain it to other Mm -hmm. uh, atheists and agnostics in the technology world in their language. And that's mm-hmm. when I felt I had to resign from my dream job in technology in order to pursue a master's in philosophy, which then led to theology and then to bioethics and then wow. to Rome. And so it was this meandering path, but it was a path <laughs> of discovery, I think, in my case. I love that. Thank you both for sharing a bit of your stories and just seeing how the Holy Spirit is at work. And you said meandering, but also that word discovery, I think is so key that there's a lot of discovery sometimes in the detours too. So um, eventually those roads and even that meandering brings you to Rome. So when did you end up uh, coming to Rome and what led you to, to Rome? Well, John and I came here Gosh, we're, we're headed towards 16 years ago, and we came for the purpose of doing our doctorates. That's what brought us to Rome. So when we decided to come, we thought, well, okay, that means we'll stay maybe two years, maybe three years. Turns out that in all kinds of ways, the Lord has asked us to stay. And so what we do are doing is trying to do our best to continue to listen to him, to remove as much static from the line as we can so that we can hear that voice as clearly as possible. And so we're here. And people ask us very often a very reasonable question, which is, what are our long-term plans? (laughs) And I think people may be a bit surprised when we say, well, we don't have any. Because at the moment... We feel very clearly that this is where he's asked us to be, but who knows about next month and who knows about next year. And so we just continue to to listen and move forward. Now, in that, in your time in Rome, one of the things you began was this Truth and Beauty Project. When, when When did you launch that, John and Ashley? So that was started in 2017. Okay. And one of the reasons was that we realized that here we are, teaching seminarians and priests and religious sisters. So Mm. it's really a privilege that we get to teach those who form others. But we realize that it's also something that a privileged few get to do, to come to Rome and get this Mm. higher level of formation. And at this time, we felt that there was a crisis, not only in the world, but also a crisis in the church. And this crisis was affecting not only the average layperson, but also these priests and others who are higher up in the ecclesiastical ladder. And so there were so many who were getting led to a sense of despair, not only in their vocation, but also a crisis of faith. And so the question for us was, how do we respond to this? And living so close to the Vatican, you actually get to be a lot more closely involved with not only events going on, but you know who the individuals are. So whenever a story breaks, it's not that it is so-and-so who works in this office or dicastery. It is this person who we kind of know either directly or indirectly. Right. And so we decided that instead of a spirit of despair, to do what some of the other great reformers did, whether it was someone like a Philip Neri or whether it was Mother Teresa And the idea was starting something small, but something that was really 
uh, solid. So we wanted to help people understand the fundamentals of their Christian identity. So then no matter what the world threw at them in terms of challenges, they would have a spirit of inter internal confidence. Mm -hmm. And that they may not know all the answers to give back to someone, but they will know that there is an answer and that's rooted in solid uh, philosophical, theological, theological foundations. So that's what we decided we would do. But it, again, like everything else came very spontaneously. Right. And so we're just through this inspiration that Ashley got that we started not knowing where and how. And now here we are uh, so many years into this and having the privilege of being witnesses to the power of the Holy Spirit in transforming faith and lives all these years. Uh, now, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with John and Ashley Narona, who are the co-founders of the Truth and Beauty Project. And I I want to linger just on that word beauty. Um, and I, I wanted to ask uh, either both of you or one of you, if you could share an instance when perhaps you were personally evangelized or led to a deeper conversion through an experience of beauty or art or liturgy. Could you share with us um, maybe that experience? Well, a couple of things leap to mind, Miriam, and one of them is us being in St. Peter's Basilica with a beautiful family who were very, very dedicated to the Lord. They were musicians, and they stepped inside of St. Peter's Basilica and began to weep. They were so moved by the beauty. Of course, as musicians, especially as the athletes they were, they were prepared for that beauty and for the visceral effect of it. Yeah. And one of the, the, the lead singer of this family band, she turned and she said, how do I go back to the real world after this? She said, yeah. everything's going to feel plastic. Mm. And that just was, to yeah. and just to add a little background to that. So what we do before yeah. we lead any pilgrims inside the basilica is we give them a little explanation of the background. So we give them the theology and okay. everything before that. So when they walk in, uh, they're not walking in cold. So they've already okay. been uplifted with all the historical theological background. And now when they walk into the basilica and experience this, it's not like just walking into a museum or anything okay. else. You yeah. don't know what's going on. So it's kind of reached, we've built up the crescendo. And then when they go in, it like hits the the highest note. And that's when they just break down. <laughs> so yeah, so that's so powerful. That's what it happens. is. Oh, that's beautiful. And I, I, it's something I know uh, many can resonate with. I certainly can. My first trip to Rome in 2013, when I, I was on my own, no, I, I don't speak Italian. It just, I was like, I need to go. And I'm walking into St. Peter's. Um, I didn't take any pictures. That first visit, um, I just wanted to soak it in and be a sponge and take in sort of how the Holy Spirit was working through that moment um, instead of trying to even attempt to capture it with a camera or words. It was just, nope, just soak it in. So um, the fact that you are able to facilitate these moments, what a gift, right? So could you share with our listeners, what does it look like to participate in one of these, I think you call them immersion trips um, for someone who is uh, brand new to the Truth and Beauty Project? How does it work and what can they expect? Well, Miriam, we call them immersions because the idea is 
being fully immersed in beauty. Mm -hmm. And this because we want to create a, a 360 degree human experience where every part of the human person is totally immersed. Mm. And these are typically week long programs. Okay. And it's the combination of everything. So we do what we call faith walk and talk experiences where we are out in the city and we use Rome as a living classroom to teach the truths of the faith. And we're doing it all through beauty. The goal is to help people understand who they are as sons and daughters of the Lord to really, really get a strong grasp of that identity because it's from that that we gain purpose and that we gain meaning in our lives. Yeah. So these week-long experiences uh, also are filled with great guest speakers and really interesting discussions. We celebrate the Holy Mass every day. Mm. We uh, have great food. And I was going to say, you can't, you can't not mention the food. Yes. <laughs> and really good conversations over fantastic meals and interesting workshops. So it's a combination of theology, philosophy, metaphysics, anthropology, scripture, liturgy, all with a big bow on top. And the idea is that one of the things that really inspired us was that when you look back at the greats of Rome, these incredible artists who we go and admire, just like you stood in front of Michelangelo's Pietà in awe of his work, you, you, how did Michelangelo manage to create that? It was out of that intense formation that he received in all the things that I mentioned in theology and philosophy and scripture, etc. Yeah. And so what we realized is that if we could give that same type of formation to people today, mm -hmm. then they could go and make masterpieces of their lives. And yeah. with that, the ripple effect can change a whole community, can change the whole world. The other aspect is what's related to the formation of priests. So they get four areas of formation, the spiritual, human, intellectual, and pastoral. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is to really uh, translate the theoretical into what we call intentional practical living. So it's not only teaching virtue, but also demonstrating how to live lives of excellence in everything and how to live intentionally and how to do everything with a sense of knowing that everything has to be done in response to that particular call uh, from the Holy Spirit in each mm -hmm. one's life, uh, directing one to be really good stewards of the gifts that they've been given every day and in everything they choose to do in their lives. Now you mentioned John about uh, ministering to um, to priests. Uh, who else might be your your audience? Who would who would come on one of these immersions? So we have everyone. <laughs> um, um, but uh, so we have two tracks. One track is specifically for young adults, and among the young adult tracks, we have one track that is for. Uh, those who get scholarships to come, because we do not want uh, financial limitations to not uh, give them that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the other track is what we call our custom immersions, and that is for anyone and everyone. So any group of six 
to 20. And the reason we limit it to 20 is because we want that intimacy. But essentially any group, it could be neighbors, families, friends, seminarians, priests, businessmen, uh, anyone who wants to come. So we have sabbatical priests who come. We have new priests. Uh, We have uh, ideas of fathers and sons coming, mothers and daughters. So essentially it's for anyone and everyone. I love it. And and they're typically a week long, you said. That's the typical. Yeah, and the reason we have the, the week-long program is that seems to be the most practical mm-hmm. for those who already have difficulty in getting more than a week. And we do customize it. So, for example, uh, Notre Dame uh, mm-hmm. requests came in to have it for two weeks because they need okay. credits for that. And so based on the requirements, we can do it longer or even a little shorter. But we found that the week-long program was just kind of the right amount of time to allow people to come and to be completely, totally available to the formation that they will receive during that time. Lovely. Now, I'm sure, you know, they might differ a little bit when you customize an an immersion. um, But is there something where, like, you would not let someone leave Rome without seeing this one thing? (laughs) What might that be? Well, indeed, to affirm what you said, every single immersion is absolutely different because we do leave lots of room for the Holy Spirit within the planning of it. And it is so much fun what he does. How many times things have happened where uh, we, we have one intention when we leave that morning and he puts something else fun and interesting and cool in our path because it just happens that way. So we love it. And the thing I would say that we would, that really is the foundational point of the program and the cornerstone that we would not want anyone to leave without is going into St. Peter's Basilica, spending time at the tomb of St. Peter himself and understanding what it means that he is the rock. And so that's where it all starts. I love it. Yeah, oh, that's a it's that's a powerful moment for sure. We have a couple minutes left. I always love to ask my guest where they're seeing signs of hope. And you you're you come into uh, you interact with a lot of people from probably all over. Where are you seeing these signs of hope and encouragement in your work in your ministry today? Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful that even that the very cause of despair in the world is actually the cause of hope. Because in the midst of so many political crises all over the world, we are seeing hope like never before. So we recently got to go to India, and the the church in India is under persecution with the fundamentalist government that's been ruling. And it's fascinating to see how, because of that, the church is on fire. And so even before we get there, people are inviting us to come and give talks and help them with understanding the, especially leaders of different uh, apostolates and and prayer groups and things like that. They are hungering for for the truth at a higher level. They have these these talks and presentation and, and prayer meetings, and you have a place filled with 400, 500, 600 people just on a weekly basis. basis. And they are getting through an hour of traffic and all kinds of challenges to come. We uh, just recently were in the United States. And there too, we are seeing how people are hungry for uh, the deeper aspects of the faith. They have questions and they are looking for answers. And whether it's a simple uh, chat over a coffee or a long 
a, a longer, you know, let's say a session that's been planned, mm -hmm, uh, sure. everything ends up being this desire to get deeper and into more profound realities of the truth. We are getting to see so many little groups and movements, whether it's homeschooling groups or uh, classics-based programs who also have that deep hunger. And so in the midst of the crises, we are seeing so many. So it's almost like you have a satellite seeing all the, the little sparks throughout the world. And so it goes back to Christ's dream of the fire blazing and how we wish that it were already lit and fully ablaze. And so I think all we have to do is get all the different sparks and flames to kind of come together. And then I think it would be this beautiful, intense mm -hmm. fire of the Holy Spirit. So in that, uh, I get to see hope. And also the way we have these young people and others who come here. Mm -hmm. And by the time they, they're done, their lives are completely different. So we get to see it before our eyes. In fact, each of the participants in our young adult immersions, they're between the ages of 18 and 30. And one of the things they do while, while in Rome with us is that they create something that we call a fiat. It's an acronym stands for faithfulness in all things. And it's the idea that their, their formation that they're receiving doesn't end when they leave Rome. Mm -hmm. How do they continue it? Well, basically, they look around their community, whatever it, it is back home, and they look for any gap that needs to be filled with virtue. And then they create a project to do that. Mm. And it's so mind-blowing to see what they come up with from wow. things from every scale, uh, all over on the scale, from small to big projects. Yeah. And to me, there is so much hope in that. You know, we hear uh, people sometimes saying, oh, you know, what are we going to do in this generation? But I'm telling you, we are so happy to tell you that there is hope. Oh, what a beautiful note to land on, that note of hope. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you to the both of you for your time today. Thank you for uh, the witness of your yes to the Lord and that witness of entrusting your long-term plans to God. I think that's really beautiful and a wonderful reminder to each of us to, to do that as well, to really give Him uh, those long-term plans and just see what the Holy Spirit does through uh, one yes at a time. So thank you so much and God bless you. Thank you, thank Miriam. You, all the best to you. And thank you for all that you do to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. We appreciate you uh, sharing uplifting, edifying conversations and inspiring people's hearts. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. God bless. John and Ashley brought up a key point in our conversation that as amazing and formative an experience in Rome can be, the formation doesn't stop once you leave the city. It keeps going as it should. And this is always good to remember when we've had those mountaintop experiences, perhaps at a retreat or on a pilgrimage or even just on a regular Sunday at our parish church, to keep turning to God and saying, Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've been doing in my life. What's next? And if we're open, He will reveal to us the next aspect of our faith to study more closely, the next person we can love, and the next step in our mission to share the joy of the gospel with others. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to explore what it means to be a missionary disciple in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.